Hello and welcome back, fight fans, to the Neutral Corner. This is episode 210. And today we're going to talk about Tyson Fury blowing up the bomb squad. TKO 7 win over Deontay Wilder becomes the new lineal heavyweight champion, grabs the WBC title as well. And of course, we're going to preview the big show from just outside Dallas this Saturday, Matchroom on the Zone, Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas in a welterweight fight. So, guys, uh, phone lines are open. We're not going to go to the phones for about 10, 15 minutes. I just want to get everything set up. So wait about 10, 15 minutes and then get on the line. Uh, you guys see the numbers behind me? We've got USA and UK local lines. So get on there. Any of you guys in the YouTube chat want to get some questions in there, just uh, get on the Super Chat and we'll do that. All right. As usual, guys, as I always remind you, please go to iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere. Leave a rating and review and spread the word about the show right here on YouTube. We're going live on Spreaker now simultaneously with YouTube. So let's get that built up over there, that uh, profile on Spreaker. A couple quick news items. Alejandro Jimenez tested positive uh, with the B sample. Is anyone surprised? Anyone surprised? Man, that just kind of fell off the face of the earth. All the social justice warriors that were sticking up for her have completely disappeared. So, yeah, B sample, guys, it's almost always the same as the A sample. It's the same damn sample. They just literally put it in two different containers. That's the only thing. So if the A sample is positive, the B sample is going to be positive too. Also, uh, Caleb Plant and uh, Feigenbutz, I can't even remember his first name. Peak audience, 1.8 million viewers in their fight last week in Nashville. So that was a great rating that that did. And they benefited. There was an XFL game that's kind of like, what would you call it? Semi-pro football, pro football? I don't know. But there was an XFL game on Fox. And, of course, that was doing big numbers. And some of that bleed over, that audience bled over to, uh, to that PBC on Fox card. All three fights, the entire three-fight broadcast, did an average of 1.5 million uh, viewers and 1.8 million peak viewership for the main event. So that's great for Caleb Plant. That was a great brand-building exercise for him. They got to capitalize on that and go right into uh, another fight this summer against the top super middleweight. This guy's had it a little too easy. All right, you've built up the brand a little bit. Now it's time to get in there against an elite-level fighter. So let's get right into this Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder thing, okay? We're going to talk a lot about this today. And again, for you guys on the phones, uh, give it about 10 minutes here. I just want to set everything up, and then we'll start taking your calls, okay? But I'm still kind of reeling from what we saw Saturday night. I just did not see it coming. And you guys who follow me, you saw, I mean, I I posted a lot of material about this fight. I posted a a breakdown video, which I admit I totally screwed that up. Uh, because I just simply did not take Tyson Fury at his word. I thought he was just talking shit when he talked about, oh, I was only 50% for the first fight, and I'm going to take it right to Deontay, go right after him and be aggressive. We've never seen Tyson Fury do that. And he talks a lot of trash. He says all kinds of crazy shit. So I just did not believe him. I did not take him at his word. And I'll never make that mistake again. I've come to learn that when he's assessing himself, when he's talking about himself, Tyson Fury keeps it real. Now, when he's talking about other people and stuff, then he, he, you know, obloviates a little bit, exaggerates a little bit, says all kinds of crazy stuff. But when he's assessing his own performance, he's pretty damn brutally honest. And, uh, man, was, did he call it? And I, I retweeted it, uh, I don't know, maybe an hour or two ago. 
Tyson Fury actually tweeted back in 2013, seven years ago, he said, my biggest fight will be against Deontay Wilder and I will knock him out. He said that in 2013, guys, two years before he fought Vladimir Klitschko. Holy shit, did that tweet age well. That might be the best aged tweet in the history of Twitter. (laughs) Certainly on boxing Twitter. Wow, did that age well. Deontay Wilder had a couple of tweets over the last year or so that age very, very poorly. Uh, Super Chat Pledge from ZM0. Thank you so much. I'm sorry, JM0. Thank you so much, my man. He says, so glad to see Fury take that belt. I don't want PBC to hold any belts hostage. Great show, Mike. Thank you again, JM. I appreciate it. And yeah, the WBC title is now in Tyson Fury's possession, along with the Ring Magazine title, which is my favorite. Maybe I'm a little biased there. And the legitimate lineal championship. And you'll never hear me make fun of Joe Tessitore saying lineal 5,000 times ever again, because now it's legitimate. Tyson Fury is the lineal heavyweight champion. This was the number one and number two guys in most people's ratings Saturday night. And now guess what? Because Tyson Fury grabbed that lineage, it ties back to the original lineage he established back in 2015. I still put an asterisk next to that victory because of the performance-enhancing drugs issue, uh, the the level of nandrolone in his system, not quite natural. So all that raises an eyebrow. But because of what he did Saturday night, it kind of almost usurps all that. And it's, you know, boxing is a sport of what have you done for me lately And what Tyson Fury did lately was pretty damn amazing. There was a question that those of us at Boxing Monthly Magazine were shooting around over the last 24 hours. Was this the best performance by a British heavyweight and even just a British fighter of any weight on foreign soil ever in the history of boxing? Now, there's a few performances you go to. I mean, Lennox Lewis winning the legitimate undisputed heavyweight championship against Evander Holyfield in America. That's probably number one. But, man, Tyson Fury beating uh, Vladimir Klitschko in Germany five years ago. Forget about the asterisks and all that. Just the accomplishment of it. Ending 10 years of dominance. Beating the legitimate actual champion. Didn't score any style points. But in terms of the accomplishment, I think now, looking back, 2020 hindsight, you got to put that right up there, right next to what Lennox Lewis did against Evander Holyfield. Maybe it's number two, but maybe it's 1A, 1B. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, if Tyson Fury goes on to do even more, then that accomplishment ages even better. But in terms of style points, okay, in terms of style points, what he just did against Deontay Wilder, it doesn't rate as highly as what he did against Klitschko in terms of the accomplishment because Deontay Wilder just had a title, and he was just a title holder, largely unproven, right? But the way he did it, style points wise, I think that in terms of that category, just staying with style points, you can absolutely make an argument that this was the best performance by a, by a British boxer of any weight class on foreign soil of all time. I think you really, really can make that argument. So let's uh, revisit the fight real quick, and then we'll start going to the phones. I know you guys are going to be calling in like crazy. Uh, Saturday, February 22nd, MGM Grand Las Vegas, ESPN and Fox pay-per-view. Absolutely abysmal undercard. Complete dog shit undercard, but an outstanding main event. And what did I just say? Boxing is the sport of what have you done for me lately? The last fight in that card was the main event. No one's remembering the undercard. The main event was so damn good. 
the undercard is forgotten. So we're just going to forgive that. I will briefly go over, look, Charles Martin, TKO6 win over Gerald Washington. Somehow this was an IBF eliminator. Go figure. I like to say the IBF is the smartest sanctioning organization, and they disproved it here on this one. Gerald Washington needs to retire. I like Gerald. He's a good guy, but his punch resistance is absolutely gone. He's too stiff. American football players are very stiff and squared up. I think American football players would be better suited to try to go into MMA. Their skill set would apply better in MMA than in boxing. They are just too stiff, too squared up, too slow, and they don't have the stamina to compete in boxing. Their stamina and everything is much more applicable to MMA. That's where Gerald should have went. But Gerald boxed before. Uh, he, he, when, he, when he was a kid, he boxed a little bit. So he had some boxing background. He just squares up too much like a football player. Punch resistance is gone. I'd like to see him retire. For Charles Martin, at some point, he's going to rematch Anthony Joshua and get knocked the hell out again. Emmanuel Navarrete, TKO 11 win over J.O. Tupas Santissima. And that was his sixth fight in less than a year and a half. I think the weight cut at 122 is starting to affect him and the activity is starting to affect him. I think he needs a little – not that he didn't perform great here. He didn't look great in the early rounds. But down the stretch, he did what he was supposed to do. Still, I'd like to see Navarrete sit for a little while, heal up a little bit, take some time before going into his next camp. And, of course – I'd like to see him step up the opposition. Super chat pledge from my man Pietro up there in Canada. Let's see what Pietro's got to say. Thank you so much, Pietro. I appreciate it. He says, Montero, there's only one Tyson Fury. It's true. He says, did you get to think about what's your favorite cover in your studio? Oh, uh, Pietro wants to know what is my favorite ring magazine or boxing monthly cover. I actually have a couple other different kind of magazine covers here in my studio. Dude, I haven't had a chance. I promise you I'll do it. I appreciate the super chat, but I have so many covers back here spanning decades. And I also have some inserts from old magazines that I have like ratings and stuff in here from like the 70s, from the 80s. So it's not just covers. I have like sheets where they had the the ring ratings and stuff in there. I will go through and look. It's going to be hard to pick one, but I promise I'll do it. Okay, so let's talk main event. And then I promise I'll get to some of these phone calls, guys. What did I say coming into this fight? And, of course, we know by now Tyson Fury dropped Deontay Wilder a couple times to the head and to the body. And let me – real quick, let me just do away with this so-called controversy some people are trying to raise online that this punch was behind the head. It was illegal. That put Wilder down. And Fury should have been disqualified. Wilder should have got five minutes to recover. You're hearing all this stuff. A, that is absolute, complete bullshit. And I'll – Get into why in just a second. But B, Wilder dropped Fury with a punch right to the back of the head in the first fight, in the ninth round. And none of these people that are so furious right now gave a flying fuck when that happened. Funny how that works, huh? In both occasions, when Fury got dropped in the ninth round in that first fight, and when Wilder got dropped in the third round in this second fight, both instances, it was their fault for Fury and for Wilder. In this particular case, Wilder, who has terrible boxing fundamentals, we've all known this for a while, right? Only some of us were saying it in the media, but we've all known this. If you watch that that knockdown, the third round, Wilder not only moves forward into the punch, he literally, his body moves forward into the punch, but he leans over and to the side and turns his head. You should never turn your head. If you're trying to slip a punch 
they say head movement, but it's really not head movement. It's waist movement. You should move at the waist. Your head should never move like that. He did that. He moved his head. He leaned into the punch and to the side. He basically said, hey, Tyson, here, punch me behind the ear. When Tyson Fury threw the punch, he was aiming for the top of Wilder's head. That's pretty obvious. Or I'm sorry, the chin. But because Wilder ducked down, it caught him behind the ear. It's simple boxing fundamentals. It's one of the first things you'll learn as a kid when you're learning how to defend yourself and slip and dip and avoid punches. Before you do any of that, the first thing any boxing coach would tell you is to put your damn hands up, right? Which Wilder didn't. But a lot of people think putting your hands up is here at your chin. Every boxer, when he takes a picture, does this pose, right? I've done it a million times. Not that I'm a boxer, but I'm saying I've just taken pictures with people at fights and shit. I put my hands here. That's bullshit. That's not putting your hands up. Putting your hands up is this. It's your hands up at your temples, right? One of my coaches used to tell me, Montero, Frankenstein that shit. Until you learn how to slip punches, Frankenstein that shit. And what he was telling me is basically be a robot. Put your hands up at your temples and cover up to take punches. And then you'll start to learn, okay, here's how I time a jab. Here's how I time a right hand. I can slip and then get under. I can slip this way and get under a hook. You start to learn those things, right? Wilder never went through that process. And so he moved completely into that punch from Fury. That was 100% on Wilder, 100% illegal punch. Kenny Bayless was correct in not calling that a foul. Kenny Bayless did not have a very good night. Before this fight, what did I say? Every X factor, all the momentum favored Deontay Wilder, right? None of that shit mattered because he didn't apply anything he learned in that first fight. And I really thought he'd take that 12 rounds of experience and apply it into the rematch. Nah, he just pretty much did the same fucking thing he's done for his entire career. Look for a big right hand. This time, Fury was 100%. I didn't believe him when he said he was 50% before and he's 100% now. I wondered why he didn't take his shirt off at the weigh-in. I'm like, now we understand all of it was part of this master plan. And it worked. I got to give the man credit. I'm very, very impressed. And I will never doubt this dude again. But again, Wilder did not learn anything from the first fight. Or at least he didn't apply what he learned. He tried to do the same damn thing he's done for 40 plus fights now. This time it didn't work. Because for the first time ever, a fighter that was big enough, skilled enough, and bold enough came downhill on him and backed him up, and forced him, Wilder, to have to fight backing up, to have to fight uh, at the, on the inside, at mid-range, to have to fight with angles. He can't do any of that. So I was pretty adamant by saying on my live fight commentary and on Twitter, Wilder got exposed Saturday. Now, let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Did he get exposed to me, to, to you guys out there who know the limitations he has? No. We didn't learn anything new about Deontay Wilder Saturday night. Everything that we saw was like, oh, yeah, we've seen that before. The difference is that for the casual fans, for the casual media, because there's a lot of casual sports media people who dip into boxing a couple times a year when they get an assignment for a big fight like this, they don't know that. They, They believe the mystique and the hype and the personality, the persona that was built by mostly friendly uh, 
people in the American boxing press that are tied to Deontay Wilder's management that put out puff pieces and exaggerate things. And again, that exists on all platforms on all sides. It's not just on that side of the street. Okay. I want to make that clear. I mean, Eddie Hearn has a YouTube channel pretty much dedicated to, to him and his, his promotional company over in the UK. So these things, you know, they exist in all circles, but the mystique about Deontay Wilder was built up against BNC level opposition. I, I, I've been adamant by saying he's only fought one elite level heavyweight. And I explained what I meant by elite in a video I posted yesterday, given some post fight thoughts, but here's the truth. In that first fight against Tyson Fury, now we know. We didn't know before Saturday, but now we know that wasn't an elite-level Tyson Fury. That truly was a 50% sloppy, not fully sharp, fully with it version of Tyson Fury. The guy we saw this last Saturday was the version in terms of focus and being in shape and being fully prepared that beat Vladimir Klitschko in 2015. This was a 100% version of Tyson Fury. So this was truly the first time in his career, 40 plus fights that Deontay Wilder has fought an elite level heavyweight in his physical prime at a hundred percent fully focused and prepared. And what did we see? A complete domination. Is it going to be any different in the third fight? I don't know. We shall see. There's always a chance Wilder can come back and, and score a redemptive highlight reel knockout in that third fight, particularly if Tyson Fury loses focus because, let's face it, he was an underdog against Klitschko, and he was an underdog both times against Wilder. He relishes in that. What happened after he beat Klitschko? He was the favorite going into that rematch, and he fell apart. He's the favorite now going into the third fight against Wilder. Will he fall apart again? We shall see. Super Chat Pledge from JM0 once again. Thank you so much, man. He says, do you think Wilder makes the trilogy? Fury has his number, and he would get beaten even worse in a third fight. If not, where does he go? He doesn't want AJ, so he would have to fight C-level PBC heavyweights for short money. Well, that would basically just be like him doing what he's done for most of his career. No disrespect to him, but that's just pretty much been what it is. I think Wilder's team has done an outstanding job when you consider what they had marketing him the way they did. Uh, They did an outstanding job getting what they got out of Wilder when you consider what they started with. But look, he's going to do the third fight. And I'm just going to tell you two words is the reason why. They rhyme with belly shrinkle. Okay, Shelly Finkel, the third fight will happen. Trust me. They, they have 30 days to make a decision. They will make the decision. We are going to get the third Fury-Wilder fight later this year. Also, when the pay-per-view numbers come out for this thing, it's probably going to do 2 million or more pay-per-view buys, guys. It's right around 2 million. From the, the trending that's been done, the analysis that's been done, from what I'm hearing, it's almost 2 million. So don't be surprised if reports say that they did 2 million pay-per-view buys. Why the hell wouldn't you run it back a third time immediately? It's probably going to happen. Super Chat Pledge again from Pietro. Thank you so much, my man. He asks, can Usyk give a problem to Wilder if they ever fight? Yes. Usyk can use angles. He can box going in any direction. The only question, the only question is, can Usyk stay away from that right hand for 12 rounds? If he can... Yes, he would box circles around Deontay Wilder. 
I personally think that after the first three rounds or so, once Usyk sees the angles, the trajectory, the speed with which the right hand is coming, he'll start to get under it and get around it. And at that point, he's just going to box the shit out of Wilder. I would favor Usyk to beat Wilder by unanimous decision right now. Yes, I'm saying it. So we're going to talk more about this fight, guys. Um, I want to get to a couple calls real quick. Before I do... Uh, just some quick CompuBox. I know some of you guys hate CompuBox, but Fury threw and landed more punches than Wilder in every round, landed 82 overall punches in this fight, 58 power punches compared to only 38 in 12 rounds in that first fight. So that was uh, pretty telling. This was a complete domination, man. All right, let's jump to the phone lines real quick here. Uh, first one has been on the line for a minute here. Eight five two, eight five two. You were on the neutral corner. What's going on? Eight five two. Hi, Michael. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes, guys. This is Roberto from Peru. Oh, how you doing, <laughs> brother? Last week, I told you. <laughs> very, very, my friend. I really, I saw, I told. Uh, I believe in Tyson Fury, but I never think he can do what he did last Saturday. He was great. He was great, tremendous. He was. He is one of the best heavyweight boxers. I uh, no, he he is the best heavyweight boxer I ever seen. <laughs> but he's one of the best in history. But at least in the in the past twenty thirty years, he's one of the best. But really, really unbelievable. This presentation is too, so much to process in only one in one fight. Yeah, it was an outstanding, outstanding performance. Well, here's the thing, okay? I, there's a lot of people that feel the way you do. And I agree that he's proven himself as one of the best heavyweights of the last 20 or so years. He's already done that. but But we can't get too – we have an expression here in America, getting caught up in the moment. We can't get too caught up in the moment right now. I think everyone's emotions are riding high because none of us expect, well, some people did, but most of us did not expect Tyson Fury to knock out and just completely dominate Deontay Wilder the way he did. But we have to keep this in perspective, my friend. Deontay Wilder was very unproven against top-level opposition. What I want to see from Tyson Fury is beat Deontay Wilder again in the third fight and then fight Anthony Joshua. If he beats Deontay Wilder again and Anthony Joshua next year, he is absolutely in the discussion of one of the best heavyweights of the last 50 years. Absolutely. Let's see, because, you know, it's hard to know how good is he. Been, uh, comparing in history because it's hard to know how will uh, how will be his behave. But yeah. I can guarantee is Tyson Fury is <laughs> is great. And you know, I have reading a lot of people saying no, uh, Tyson Fury doesn't deserve to be a pound for pound. I have uh, a good, uh, a bunch of from Mexico, Republic of Dominican, Peru, uh, a lot of and uh, USA. They were we are around twenty in a WhatsApp group. We always are following the boxing, and we have our pound for pound. I do by myself on Excel the pound for pound. <laughs> and we have seen, I think, 
he's sixth on the list. Wow. From 20 people voting which position do you think he is uh, positioning, and he's sixth on the pound for pound. And he wasn't in there. Believe it or not, Wilder was 11 on this list last year. We end last year with Wilder as 11, be, be, just behind Tanaka, Kosei Tanaka. I, I know, believe me, we know all the champions in all the weight divisions. We are really, because we, uh, we have a, a tournament, a tournament for predictions, for fight in for champions, uh, for, for all the champions, for all mayors, for, for, for what is the name of this, or regulators, I don't know, for WDC, WBA, IBF, and WBO, and we, we, I don't know how to say, we bet, we bet for each fight. Okay. And I follow all of this. We know all the fights, for all the fights, for all the, all, we, we follow everything. Most of them uh, are involved in boxing world. I, I know some people who, who are involved in many camps, but we all think Tyson Fury make a remarkable thing. A comeback incredible. In three years, he was waiting around 400, 400 pounds. Yeah, yes. Look at him. Look at it's, him. It's an amazing at this, at this story. It, he was completely... Yeah, it's an amazing yes. story. And, and here's the thing. I'm... We were talking about this on the ring ratings panel. We were talking. We we're, we're still trying to figure out how we're going to change our heavyweight ratings. There's an argument right now that we're having at Ring Magazine of possibly putting Dillian White at number two and putting Deontay Wilder at number three because you can argue Dillian White has better wins over the last two years, three years than Deontay Wilder does. You can absolutely make that argument. So we're still not decided on that. But anyway. We, there is a discussion. Should we put Tyson Fury on the pound for pound list? And most of us feel no, because I think he needs to do a little bit more for a heavyweight. The pound for pound list was created for the guys below heavyweight, really. And for a heavyweight to get on the pound for pound <laughs> list, you have to do something truly special. You have to clean out the division. You have to be dominant for years, like Vladimir Klitschko, like Lennox Lewis. You have to do something very special. Mike Tyson uh, won all the titles, right? So, again, if Fury gets that fight with Anthony Joshua and beats him, I absolutely agree with you. He would belong in the pound-for-pound list. But right now, I don't want to quite put him in the top ten. He's not quite there yet, my friend, in my opinion. But I'm not mad at you for ranking him pound-for-pound. A lot of people do right now. But you know, hey, I have another. It's I have a few more callers I need to get to. So uh, go ahead. One more question, yeah, yeah, and then we got to wrap it up. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate thank you, you calling friend. in, man. Uh, let's get to one more quick call, guys, and then we'll get back to the review. Uh, three five three eight. You are on the neutral corner. Go. Three five three eight. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, it's Mark from Ireland again. Um, shout out to everybody who's watching. Um, hit the like button. Support the show. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so right, first first things first, uh, just quick on the pound-for-pound pound discussion. Like you say, separation is important. Pound-for-pound pound was originally set up to differentiate lower weights that didn't have the same shine as heavyweight because heavyweight was always the marquee division. Uh even though the first ever like pound for pound discussion was Ray Robinson against Joe Lewis, the only reason that was was to be able to compare him to Lewis, not Lewis's pound for pound, but 
Ray Robinson is pound for pound. Exactly. So that's normally why that's done. As you say, like Lennox Lewis, he was undisputed, and his highest rating ever in pound for pound was number eight. Vladimir Klitschko only as high as number 10. So you need to do something extreme and be dominant over a long, long period of time. So very difficult to rate a guy who's got one win in the last one win in the last five years against a guy relatively, like you say, unproven. And that's where I come from on the lineal thing as well, because I, I personally don't know how a guy who's relatively unproven, even though one guy took a loss, relatively unproven is number two consensus and the other guy is number one consensus when he's relatively unproven in the last five years too when the other guy picked up the other three belts vacated so I, I'll wait for undisputed myself because I always preferred undisputed to culminate before declaring it because that's who the man is and that's what lineal is and I believe the only way to be lineal is by beating the man and none of them were outright proven to be the man that's just my standpoint but anyone who wants to rate him lineal fair enough um, I'm from that what a, what a what a weekend! Yeah. What a, what a weekend! What a fight! Um, the Twitter's been going crazy. YouTube's been booming. The population, the statistics. I don't know if it'll do two million because, like, I I seen that. Um, I won't name the name of the stream site, but a very an illegal stream site reported that they had over nineteen million hits on this fight. Oh yeah. Um. So if if that's the case, if that's the case, that could have been a big hit and uh, about. 13, 14 million of them were actually in America, those hits. So that could be a big hit to the fight. But that means that there was a lot of eyes on the fight nonetheless, even right. e- even if that brings at least 100,000 of them more to not want that stutter or anything, it can still boom it up. Um, the fight itself, Fury, Fury, Fury's a genius. He's a magician. Magicians, like, when I say magician, I'm not talking magic in the ring, which he is. I'm talking they, 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 they deceive you. They they outright lie to you and tell you these things, and then they just lie to you and pull the wool over your eyes, and then boom, at your field. Fury's been doing that his entire career, saying he's going to knock this bum out, knock that guy out. He's going to come in. He's going to go Hagler Hearns. His entire career, never done it. He said all through this, I want the Hagler Hearns type of fight. I'm going to come out swinging. I'm going to be. I'm going to be 270 pounds. I'm going to punch he you in the head. Wait, man. Nobody yeah. believed him, and he did exactly. He did ex- everything he was going to do. So the biggest genius thing he did with Wilder was lie his entire career to knock him out. And it was almost like with that tweet you said, a little bit of therapeutic justice. Because like, what's it, six, six and a half, seven years ago, he put a tweet up saying, I'm going to knock out Wilder and it's going to be the biggest win of my career it's in America. Crazy. And yeah. he goes and he does it. I tweeted, I retweeted that tweet that today. Name in I retweeted that tweet today, and I just said, man, I need to start asking Tyson Fury for stock advice because, holy shit, if he could see it you know, seven years ahead like that, damn. I need to you know, just consult that guy for more picks. And If you're going to bet on a fight, ask Tyson Fury who he's betting on because, holy shit, did he call that. I mean, everything you well, just well, said, no, Mark, no, he, called everything, well, he called everything no. down the middle. Yeah, he did. He did. So did his dad, but maybe that's pride. Maybe they just knew. But um, I'll say I'm never going to say it's a 100% Tyson Fury because like with cocaine and alcohol and obesity, I think he's a 90% Fury, but he's a 100% Fury now and 90% Fury from what he was. I think there's, he'll never be the exact same after what he did over those two, two and a half years. You can't go to 300, 350 pounds and drop back down to 250 right. and 
not take something out of yourself. I've I, I've I've been up near three thirty pounds. I've been down to two forty. I'm not quite the same person, um. But I'm I'm now at my physical best at the moment, and I feel great. So I know it's like to go through that. It's not exactly the easiest thing in the world. But this guy, this guy is unbelievable. He can fight back foot. He can fight front foot. He can give you different looks with the feints of his hands. He can take away jabs. He can get in the pocket and fight off with the best. Maybe he's a bit defensively irresponsible, but he's also he's also one of the best kind of in a weird way dirty fighters you'll see. Like yeah. he's able to just do subtle things from the side, just off of the referee's view, which he does exploit the rules. But he does it in a subtle way, and he can also do little things to make it look like the other person's initiating the dirty play. Like for example, he'll he'll go to the side of Wilder and he'll pull him inward, and Wilder will dip down. And once Wilder's dipped below the navel and he puts the headlock in, he can, he's put Wilder into that position to do that. Right, and he has the strength to, to do it. Him. It's so clever. Well, and it, that that comes down to positioning too, and lack of fundamentals. Now, you you mentioned a minute ago they knew what they had in Deontay Wilder. He knew. Now he's got twelve rounds with him. This guy does not have the spacing, the angles. He knew where to put himself, where to position his body to put Wilder in that headlock. If you go back and watch some of Floyd Mayweather's fights, that's a move Floyd used all the time. He put people in that headlock all the time, and wear guys down. You know. And the- and also the changing of somebody's position in the pocket. Like, I'm not a huge fan of the fighter, but Andre Ward did it. Oh, Andre yeah. Ward used oh, yeah. To do Andre that. Ward was a brilliant inside fighter. In the pocket. Yeah. Mm. So, one of the best performances away from home, like that you can really see on tape, like over the last 50, 60 years from a British fighter. Absolutely. Like names like Ted Kid Lewis against Jack Britton and stuff will come to mind and Jimmy McLaren's was win over Bernie Rosser's knockout over Benny Leonard. But there there is a there is lots of stuff. But that's going back like ninety years ago, eighty years ago, black and white stuff. But Fury, like over the last modern stuff, absolutely phenomenal. I do appreciate you saying he goes into the discussion if he clears out heavyweight for the last fifty years. Like I've gone back to the old timers when they have like 150, 60, 70 plus fights, 200. When you consider like Langford's career and everything like that, like mm. just the resume going from featherweight to heavyweight and everything, it's it's madness. Like you can't really compare modern stuff to that because legacy versus money and finance is a bit different now nowadays. It's just 250 plus fights with. 26 Hall of Famers over 40 champions fought in your career. You're never going to see numbers like that again. I kind of divide it. So I see three different eras in, in, you know, you could go from like the seventies to now, like the last 50 years. That's kind of what I call the modern era And the fight game's just been different in that time. You can divide it yeah. up, you know, from the nineties oh, yeah. to now, if you really want to, when the, the four sanctioning bodies got involved, but yeah, I mean, you can't compare guys right now to guys from the fifties, the thirties, the twenties. You just can't do it. It just doesn't make sense. But yeah, of the last 50 years, it, it, seriously, if fury cleans everything up here, man, and then he does it on the road. It, it's, it's historic stuff, but yeah. there's still a lot to do. And I think some people are getting a little caught up in the moment, but he certainly has a chance to do it. He really does. Well, this is this is what I'd like to see from rematch with rematch with uh, Wilder. Um, I think Joshua's going to take care of both of his mandatories. I really do. Just mm. I think he'll fight. U- Usyk might be a big danger to him, but I think he'll do the fights and Pulev. And I think uh, Fury will probably fight White in February, and they'll culminate in July probably next year. 
come when they throw undisputed. Yeah. If they if they come through all those fights, I, it could be a bit too risky. But if they do it, it would be fantastic to both of their legacy. Because if he goes and beats Pulev, another top ten fighter on his resume, beats Usyk, an undisputed cruiserweight champion, and he can go and beat the longest standing, the longest standing mandatory challenger, <laughs> and the longest standing number one in heavyweight history since Harry Wills, because Harry Wills was the longest ever, wow. but he went four and a half years for Dempsey. But uh, it, other than Harry Wills, it would be Dillian White. He's actually the longest standing in the number one position in a ranking body without getting a title shot at heavyweight. If he were to beat him, beat Walder twice, he's also Fury's actually also the first man to be uh, to end two ten pl- ten title or plus consecutive streaks in a career ever hmm. with Ali and uh, what's his face? Ali, not, not Ali with uh, Klitschko and Walder. He's the first person to ever do that. So, yeah, and on the road, and the, on the, the road. legacy, yeah, and on the and on the road, that and in two, in two different like ways, you. in two different ways. That's what's so yeah. impressive. But and I got other callers, so I gotta let you go, Mark. But man, yeah. great call as always, brother. Thanks, Mike. All right, guys, Thank you. take care. You too. All right, let's uh, Harrison Property with a super chat pledge over on YouTube. Thank you, Harrison Property. He says, does AJ ever fight Wilder now, especially considering the animosity between Eddie Hearn and Wilder's team? Thanks, buddy. Man, I don't think so. I, I, I really seriously doubt it. it, it look, if, if we get the third fight and Wilder pulls this amazing feat and somehow defeats Fury and knocks him out, it's this great redemption story. He'd be Deontay Wilder at that point would be one of the – the biggest sporting stars in America. He really would be. And at that point, is he going to, he's going to pull the A side, B side thing and all that. And I don't know if you're going to get a fight between him and Anthony Joshua. If Tyson Fury beats Deontay Wilder again, I just get the sense that Fury cares a little bit more about legacy and stuff like that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. He has said that he's going to do like two more fights and retire. I don't believe that. But I just think that perhaps timing-wise, it could work out to where next spring or summer we get a fight between Fury and AJ. It could happen. Imagine this. Two Brits. That fight possibly would happen in Vegas at that new stadium they're building for the Las Vegas Raiders, the NFL Raiders. I think that stadium will be done by then. Could you imagine Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury in Las Vegas in that stadium? Holy shit. That would be insane. I'm telling you guys, it's possible. You know, and I was just thinking about this. Speaking of Deontay Wilder, how he could become a, a big star if he beat Fury in the third fight. Where does Tyson Fury rate right now in terms of the brand he is, the brand he has become? We still have to see the numbers, the pay-per-view, all that. We already know it did a $17 million gate, which all things considered is an outstanding live gate there in Vegas. Where does Tyson Fury rank now? Is he number one? I don't know if I'm going to say that. To me, Canelo Alvarez, until I see numbers, Canelo Alvarez is still the number one guy in the sport in terms of brand. But you can make an argument that with this win, Tyson Fury just usurped Anthony Joshua and quite possibly is going to usurp Canelo Alvarez very soon. If he hasn't already, by the end of this year, if he beats Wilder again, I'm saying it now, put a stamp on it. If Tyson Fury beats Deontay Wilder again, he will be the number one biggest brand in boxing. I'm including Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Canelo Alvarez, Anthony Joshua. 
Yes, I'm saying it. I'm not blinking. Okay, if he beats Deontay Wilder, again, he's the biggest brand in the sport of boxing. He would be huge because the the trending and everything with this fight shows, like I said, it's doing huge, huge numbers. If he beats Wilder again, I think that third fight's going to do big numbers. And here's the difference between Fury and a guy like Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez does not give a shit about broadening his fan base. He truly doesn't give a shit. He has a built-in fan base with the Mexican fans and Mexican-American fans and the diehard American boxing fans. You've never seen Canelo Alvarez do any of the late shows in America or really any of the mainstream media outlets in America. He hasn't done any of the podcasts. He doesn't give a shit. He shows up to fight. He does his fight, collects his money, goes back home to Mexico. He understands English, refuses to speak it in public in America because he does not want to lose his Mexican pass. There's a thing, you know, with some of the old-timer Mexican fans and stuff that will call you a sellout if you start speaking English. I think that sucks, and I think it's, it's stupid, but it exists. It's, it's a dynamic, and I saw it in Los Angeles. You'd hear a lot of that stuff from some of the old-timer fans. So there's a limit to what Canelo can do in terms of broadening his fan base. And Golden Boy Promotions, if they end up, end up fighting Billy Joe Saunders or Callum Smith, which they probably will – in their next fight, I think they're, what they're going to say is, oh, we're trying to expand our fan base over to the UK, even though they're going to bring those guys here to, to Vegas, whichever one they fight, they're going to bring them to Vegas. The British fans already know who Canelo Alvarez is, right? You're not going to get any more fans from fighting one of those guys. It's just very, very clear what Canelo and his team want to do. They want to continue to milk the built-in fan base they have. He's the most popular athlete in Mexico. He's one of the most famous pop, Uh, popular boxers in the world, of course, among diehard fans. But Tyson Fury, because he's a natural English speaker, because he has a dynamic personality, because he has a crazy story related to the mental illness and the comeback from the brink and the depression, that's a a big hot topic in the American media right now. Uh, You look at the opioid crisis in America and how that's become a political thing with the president and all that. Fury fits right into that whole thing. He's a marketer's dream. And on top of all that, he has the desire to branch out and cross over. He's already done the WWE thing. He's done the Joe Rogan podcast, you know, all that kind of stuff. So he can become a big brand, I'm telling you guys. Now, again, he's still got work to do. I don't quite put him at the rate of Canelo Alvarez quite yet. Mate, we, we don't know yet. Of course, this fight between him and Wilder did huge numbers, but is it because they each had the right dance partner? Or is the winner of this going to become the new guy? We don't know that yet. We will find out. And we'll see what happens in that third fight. Uh, Let's see. What else did I not get to here? The two best heavyweights in the world. I don't care who you have, three, four, five, and everything after that. But I see some people saying Deontay Wilder is the number two heavyweight in the world right after Fury. That's bullshit. That's utter bullshit. The second best heavyweight in the world is Anthony Joshua, okay? It's Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua. And let me tell you why. I could give you a million reasons why, but here's just one reason you should note. Both Fury and Anthony Joshua, both of them, have shown that they can win fights in different ways. They've also shown that they can come back from difficult situations. For Fury, it was being suspended for drugs and all that stuff, getting stripped. 
being out of the ring, blowing up in weight, almost wanting to kill himself. For Anthony Joshua, it was taking a bad loss against a guy that he should have beat. They both came back from the brink, from those two situations, and won and got better. They've also shown against elite-level opposition. For Joshua, I won't say elite. Top-level heavyweight. Top-level heavyweights. They have shown an ability to win in different ways. The way AJ used to win, rolling downhill and knocking guys out, now he's boxing. The way that Fury used to be the boxer, now he's showing he can roll downhill and be the intimidator. He could be the bully. The versatility of these two, beyond all the accomplishments, makes them the two best heavyweights in the world. If you don't have those two as the two best heavyweights in the world, you don't know shit about boxing or you're just a hater. Let's see, what else here? Um, That's it. All right, let me get to another call real quick. And then we'll get into the preview for uh, this week. 619, you're on TNC. Go. Hey, what's up, Michael? Uh, it's uh, Juan Valverde. I've been uh, you know, a follower of yours. I've talked to you. Yeah, what's up, times, Juan? Uh, How you doing, Over man? social media. Finally, I, I, great. I, I was listening to your, um, to your video last night, and, um, and I saw that you – now we could call in. I was like, oh, great, great. Now we can call in. Yeah, <laughs> That's, man. Uh, awesome. It's awesome. So, uh, yeah, obviously, obviously, I have a, a, a lot of my mind uh, regarding the fight uh, on Saturday. And I, I thought, you know, as, as you said, you know, the, the Tyson Fury pulled out a, a brilliant performance. I thought he was going to get knocked out. I thought he was not going to make it past five rounds. I thought that Wilder had the momentum. But, dude, the guy impressed me. He said what he said he was going to do. I did not expect he was going to come uh, and, uh, you know, bully the bulls. And uh, one of the things that, that I wanted to talk about, and you were just touching on that, is how big this fight was. Um, we were having, uh, me and my cousin were having a conversation about, uh, you know, how big the fight was. And he was telling me that he felt that Joshua versus Reese 2 was bigger. I'm like, no, there's no way that was bigger. This fight was, uh, you know, I, I kind of measure it and who's talking about it. Uh, how, like in my workplace, you know, I work around like 40, 50 people. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody was like excited about it. People that never talk about boxing were just like, hey, you're watching the fight. I'm, I'm going to order it, man. I'm so excited. I saw the previous. I saw the ESPN coverage. I saw this and I was like, okay, this seems way bigger than anything else I've seen in a while because everybody, everybody has a take. Like people that normally don't talk about it are talking about it. You know, yeah. I, I see when Canelo fight, you know, when, when those guys fight, you know, people will mention it, that people right, were legitimately having conversations in the break room about the fight. So dude, was, dude like, my like, realtor, fight. my realtor, okay, who's uh, a woman in, in her, I think, late 40s, and uh, she did the, she brokered a deal for the house that we bought here in Atlanta. She watched mm-hmm. it. Her and her husband watched it. They're not <laughs> boxing fans, but she she uh, you know messaged me and like they watched the fight, dude. I'm like, what? So it, it broke through to people that you're right. Canelo Golovkin. Look, when I was at those fights in Vegas, the atmosphere was insane. The Mexican fans were there. The Mexican American fans were there, and it was. I mean, the Mexican fans make everything fun as hell, right? So those were amazing <laughs> promotions. They were so fun. But and it did break through because there were sports people, not necessarily boxing people, but like like personalities like NFL players. I think Aaron Rodgers tweeted about it. I mean, different people were tweeting about it, right? But it didn't break through to what I call Joe Sixpack, you know, just just like your average American yeah. sports fan that watches college football and shit. 
this fight broke through to that group. It did. Exactly. Exactly. And I've been a fan since 80, 86. And that's when I started watching boxing. So I, I, I've known, I've seen the big fights, especially the heavyweight fights. You know, you can feel the, the fight. Like you feel that energy that other, other uh, weight classes don't have. And this one has that. You know, we were at, the, at a bar here close to my house. I live in San Diego. And, uh, you know, it was packed. Everybody was excited. You can feel the energy. Those two big dudes coming in with those ridiculous suits. And <laughs> it was great, dude. I thought the it was ring walks awesome. are great, dude. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we're hardcore fans. You know, we'll watch anything. You know, right. we watch everything. And, and, and sometimes hardcore fans overrate uh, the fame and, and glory or whatever. The fame right. of certain boxers, you know. Uh, guys like uh, Triple G, which I'm a huge fan of, he's really not that famous. He's famous within a certain community and a certain sports fan that beyond that, the, you can ask somebody on the street and they, they won't know who he is. It's really yeah, it dude, weird it, if somebody says, yeah, I know. If, if Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin, Terrence Crawford, and Tyson Fury all walked down the street in Chicago, more people are going to know who Tyson Fury is than those three guys, even though I rate all three of them higher pound for pound. It's you're right. It's it's the yeah. fact that they're heavyweights. There's something about seeing huge dudes in the ring fighting. It it, it just it it's a different atmosphere. It's a different level. And this this one broke through, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and for example, Canelo lives here in San Diego. I've seen him a couple of times here. Right. Like the other day he was in a restaurant and, I, and nobody was even looking at him. Right. Like this guy is supposed to be the biggest star in the sport. He is. But he like it's it's different with those guys, you know. It's different that than than you know superstars like guys like Tyson, like like those guys that transcend the sport that everybody knows who they are. And that's what I loved about this fight because it didn't disappoint. In the end, the fight was you know it was one sided, but it was entertaining. It was yeah. fun. It ended in a clear way without controversy, and people are talking about it everywhere. So I felt that this was great for the sport. And if if these guys, you know, if Wilder decides that he wants to come back and and try to beat him. I would recommend that he stays away from him for a year and try to build his confidence because uh, the, the kind of fighter he was, he was so uh, used to him being the, the undisputed guy, the, the guy that, that, that made everybody afraid of him because of his power. And now he's not going to be looked like that. He needs right. to build that confidence back. He'll need a couple of fights. But if he, if he comes back, dude, I, I don't, you know, a lot of people are, are saying that the guy will never be back. A lot of guys have come back. You know, a lot of guys that were in worse positions have come back. So we don't know. Let's see what happens. You know, I'll give them a shot. You know, we never know. These guys, the fact that they go in there, they go in the ring, they get hit. You never know what they're made of, dude. Only yeah. only time will tell. And I don't want to count him. I don't want to count it off because that guy, that guy has a good story too. And he's a, he's a great he's a man story. Too. He's a great father. He have yeah, dude. Yeah. The, the way, uh, you know, what he's done with his daughter and everything else. Look, if if oh, yeah. no, no. Uh, the American public loves a comeback story, and if Deontay Wilder, let's say this was his humbling, let's say he got humbled, and he shuts up with some of the bragging and all that, and gets humble like Anthony Joshua did against uh, a- Andy Ruiz in their rematch, and shows us something that we haven't seen yet. He shows us an extra dimension, something extra in his character, and he comes back and wins that third fight with Tyson Fury. Dude, he might become the biggest brand in the sport of boxing. It's entirely exactly, possible. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and the only thing, uh, I, I don't want to take too much of your time here, but the only thing that I can tell, I was talking to one of my friends today, and he was like, what can, what can you do? Like, well, he's already 34 years old, so you, you're not going to change him overnight. So that kind of guy, you need to teach him a couple of things maybe. Maybe give him a jab. Maybe give him a hook to the body. Give him something different in which he can, can combine and hide that right hand. And maybe that will help, you know. Maybe that will help him be a little bit more versatile, have a little bit more there. Like when Manny Pacquiao developed that right hand, that changed the game for him. Just one more punch. So, yeah, the guy's a puncher. The guy's going to go in front of you. He's going to try to knock him out. Yeah, that's what, what he is. But try to give him something else. Just a little, uh, uh, another Dude, a plan B that can offset a plan B. Yeah, yeah. he's got no so plan I B. Think he has... Yeah. So uh, let's see. Let's see how it turns out. Today, you know, we have Tyson Fury on the top. He can very well, well be on the bottom next year. We don't know. That's what what's so right. great about heavyweight boxing. So right. good job, dude. Thank you for taking my call, dude. And uh, I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be calling. I'll be. Calling I appreciate it, Juan. Good call, brother. <laughs> All right, dude. Bye. Have a good one. All right. So, you know, he brought up Triple G. It makes me think about something. I just, a lot of the people that are upset right now that, look, a lot of Deontay Wilder fans, some of you guys are on my YouTube channel. There's two of you guys in particular, Tim, Nick, and Cody, 8904. I remember your guys' names because you're constantly talking about Deontay Wilder. And I know you're hurting right now. And there's a bunch of fans out there that are really, really hurting. And they're saying, um, look, a lot of these were the same guys that were saying Gennady Golovkin got, quote-unquote, exposed when he fought the top-level middleweights. No, this is not the same thing. So when Gennady Golovkin was fighting the B-level middleweights, he was drilling them. He was knocking them all out, right? Then he stepped up and he fought uh, Daniel Jacobs, Canelo Alvarez, um, and Sergei Sergei Derevyanchenko. He barely beat Jacobs and Derevyanchenko. Those were close fights. The knockdowns may have been the difference, but they were close fights, and he won them, and he also scored knockdowns. And then twice against Canelo Alvarez, look, everyone knows Golovkin won the first fight. We don't need to beat that dead horse. And then the second fight was close and could have won either way. But here's the bottom line. He belonged. He was competitive. He beat most of those guys. He, I think he won three out of four of those fights. He scored uh, the knockdowns. No one knocked him down or badly hurt him, right? When Deontay Wilder finally stepped up to the absolute elite level of the heavyweight division, I'm talking the top three, top five heavyweight, at 100% of their prime focus, dude, he got dominated. This fight wasn't competitive. It wasn't close. He didn't win any rounds. There were no moments for Wilder, okay? Even in the first couple rounds before he got hurt, the first two and a half rounds, Fury was winning and setting him up. There was nothing there. And then you go back to Wilder's fights against lower A-level type type opposition like Luis Ortiz, where he was thoroughly outboxed in both of those fights, and his power bailed him out. And then against B-level and even C-level opposition, I mean, guys like Gerald Washington were winning rounds against Deontay Wilder. So the big difference between a guy like Anthony Joshua coming back or a guy like Tyson Fury coming back from their situations is they had some boxing fundamentals to pull back on and they could be versatile and do different things. Dude, Deontay Wilder does one thing and it's not for a lack of trying with Mark Breland and his team. And by the way, Mark Breland did the right thing this weekend. And if he ends up getting fired from that corner, which is being tossed around in the rumor mill right now, that's an absolute travesty. Lou DiBella, 
promoted Deontay Wilder for years, and he loves Deontay as a human being. He did right by Wilder and was willing to take him over to the zone for a hundred plus million dollars, life-changing money, life-changing opportunity. And what happened as a result of that? Shirley Winkle and some of the other folks involved told Lou to go get fucked. And if that happens to Mark Breland right now, man, that's a travesty. And ultimately that does come down on Deontay to a degree. But Mark Breland has tried to teach Deontay some fundamentals. Mark Breland's a good fundamental boxer back in his day. Deontay's just been stubborn, fell in love with the power, and has kind of outright refused to pick up some of that stuff and learn. Can he show the discipline, the humility to go back to the drawing board and learn some things and try some new things? We will find out. All right, a couple more calls, guys, and then we got to get to this fight preview, man. We're running out of hour already. Uh, four four seven nine. You're on the neutral corner. Go. Hello, Mike. It's Hamid calling from the UK. How's oh, it man. What's up, man? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I did tell you Fury could knock him out. Yes, you did. You know what? I don't think you called it. I don't think that it was the general consensus, but. For someone who's watched the uh, majority of Fury's career, I always thought if he sat down on his punches, he could knock uh, Wilder out. Because Wilder is a very heavily flawed guy. And after I watched the Ortiz rematch, uh, I was surprised that so many people were picking Wilder like beast after that performance. But I thought maybe he was just waiting for the right hand. Although I don't think he actually was waiting. He was just, I thought he got kind of thoroughly outboxed while Ortiz was old and slow in the rematch. I thought he's always dangerous against uh, anyone. So I, I didn't rule him knocking out Fury. I thought though Fury coming in for the KO was um, a dangerous tactic. But I do think weight matters. When you're three stone heavier, 42 pounds, it don't matter who you are. I think you can knock anyone out. Uh, that's what they say in the heavyweight division. And I, I think if that was a bigger punch, I do agree with you. If that was maybe Joshua or Klitschko, I don't think Wilder goes past the third round. No, I, I agree. I, I think that, um, hi, look, weight matters, size matters, skills matter. And Fury's not the, the fastest guy, the most athletic guy. He has a sneaky kind of athleticism with his agility, his looseness. And sometimes those loose loop, looping punches that don't look as pretty, they have more an effect. It's like cracking a whip, especially if you're 270 pounds and you're punching down at somebody. It's going to hurt. So he's never going to have yeah. game-changing, one-punch knockout power like a Klitschko, a Wilder, a Lewis. Uh, Anthony Joshua even has it. Dillian White has it. Dillian White's left hook is crazy, right? So he's never going to yeah. have that. But if, if he's coming forward on you and you're in bad position because you have a lack of fundamentals and he's punching down and cracking that whip, it's, it's going to have an effect, an accumulative effect. Yeah, and the thing is, I rewatched the Klitschko, but I know a lot of people thought that was a very boring fight, and this is only, like yeah, yeah. I think, the second or third time I've watched it. But the thing I realized in that, Klitschko is a much better boxer than both, um, uh, what's it called, Wilder and Ortiz. And I was thinking, uh, if if he couldn't, like, for uh, 10 rounds, I know he didn't let his hands go, but if he couldn't time uh, Fury, I thought if Fury is 100% at his best, anyway, he has that vision. I thought he should beat Wilder and maybe even stop him because uh, I know a lot of people question Klitschko's chin, but Klitschko had a much better defense and I think a chin than Wilder as well. Absolutely. He, when he gets hurt, Klitschko, 
Klitschko knew what to do. I thought Fury did catch him a couple of times, but that was Fury at 250, and Klitschko was a much better fighter than Wilder. At 270, I thought if he hits Wilder in the right spot, I think Wilder could uh, could go. Uh, I think I think Wilder did get exposed. I don't really like using that word, but there was a lot of people that were saying that this guy could be the best heavyweight. I I don't think um, I don't think he's like you know the worst. Like some people are now saying he's one of the worst heavyweight belt holders and all that. I wouldn't go that far, but. I, I just don't think he's the number one guy, and he's always uh, fell short. He had a chance to fight Klitschko and AJ, and I think the one of the main reasons he might, or his handlers might not have put him in with those guys. I think there is a, a vulnerability around the chin area because I do. I would say he has been knocked up by Klitschko in sparring as well. Uh, would you say it's the chin or is it the legs? Because the legs are really, really like skinny for a heavyweight. It's it's both. I mean, you could have look. Tommy Hearns had skinny legs, but Tommy Hearns knew how to position legs, and he had proper balance. So, although Tommy Hearns obviously was stopped in fights, but he fought much better fighters than Wilder. Uh, yeah, you know, people were comparing. You know, they were saying Deontay Wilder is a heavyweight Thomas Hearns, and I thought that was incredibly disrespectful and ignorant. <laughs> uh, just incredibly, just the, the hyperbole out there. But that's that's the media now, man. They do it with – it's not just in yeah. boxing. It's, it's in every sport. But with Wilder, you know, yeah, the chin's an issue, but I think it's more of him being in bad position. He's uh, got such, a, such bad fundamentals that he leaves himself open to get caught. And you, 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 you mentioned the Luis Ortiz rematch where it wasn't that – Wilder had this amazing game plan. He he set up the right hand. He did a good job getting his spacing just right for that right hand. He did, but he had a willing dance partner. Luis Ortiz is 500 years old. He's not in the best health. It was late in the fight. He was winded, and he stood right in front of Deontay Wilder and basically allowed him to step in and drill him with the right hand, and that's how everyone's fought the guy. No one's come forward on him and pushed him back. Now the blueprint's out there. So I don't care who yeah. Wilder fights from here on out. He could fight Dominic Brazil again. These guys are all going to try to fight him the way Tyson Fury just did. Now, they might not be as successful, obviously. But the blueprint's out there. He, he's, he, his, his footwork is so bad. His angles and spacing are so bad. When he's not allowed to dominate from the outside, he's extremely vulnerable. And it just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, before the fight, anyone who picked Wilder, I, I have no, like... Uh... The problem. I even said that this was a fight which was a toss-up because with Fury, there's always been questions uh, mentally. Exactly. He's sometimes hot and cold. So that was that was the reason I always thought I was like I wanted Fury to win. That's what, that's why I picked Wilder. Between you and me, that's yeah. why I picked Wilder. I mean, I I, I looked at the weigh-in and it, it, he kept his shirt on. I looked at it, he had gained weight. Uh, it, it, I just I didn't buy into this notion that he was only fifty percent the first time around. Turns out he was. And, you know, I, I won't doubt him again. <laughs> I, I, just, I still don't yeah. know what's going to happen now because, again, now in this third fight, he's going to be the favorite. When he was the favorite against Klitschko for their rematch, he fell apart. I hope that doesn't happen this time. For the better of boxing, I hope he keeps it together and yeah. stays like this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that will happen. Um, he's already fought Wilder twice. I personally don't think Wilder should have a rematch. If Wilder couldn't beat him on his worst night, let's be real, you take that 12th round out for 11 rounds, Wilder, it wasn't 
it wasn't a close fight. I mean, you could say it's competitive, but Wilder won about two or three rounds. And then I think the last round, you could argue that could have maybe yeah, argued that it could have been a draw. But you take that 12th round away, that's a fury, a clear win. Yeah. And that was fury after three or two or three years out the ring running fought a live body for about since he I think for Klitschko in about 2015 I would say this uh, with Wilder I know people always love to make the Triple G comparison but I just think that's an absurd comparison because yeah. Wilder neglected yeah, where you look at someone like Golovkin his fundamentals he sits on his uh, on his feet he plants his shots and Wilder can't fight backing up I've seen Golovkin actually fight on the back foot. I don't think he's as effective, but he right. can at least box. Wilder, since the Stavrin fight, he's regressed. I, I think the jab has been neglected. I, I don't know I don't know if it's a training team because I think JD's is someone who's uh, like very close to him who probably pats him on the back, whereas Mark Breland is he's probably a yes someone man. who tells... Yeah. Jesus is a yes uh, man. That's not that's, a good... I hate to say that, you know, idea. and that might bite me in the ass publicly. I might take some shit for saying that, but that's that's the reality. He's a yes man. Mark Breland is not a yes man, and that's why he might get axed from that team. That, that's I don't think that's a good idea because I think Mark Breland might have saved his career. If that fight went about two saved his more life. rounds on, yeah, saved his life as well. Wilder's thirty-four. We gotta look at it. He hasn't got much years left in the ring, because that could have taken even more physical and mental toll on him. So I think Mark Breland did the right thing. I know Absolutely. Wilder at the time obviously has the time to go so but once he's rewatched it and asserts anything, if he's really someone who cares about his own health and he'll have thanked him because I remember Brooke, uh, he got saved by, was it Dominic Ingo? I remember a lot of people were pulling him but in the long term that could have even got worse. Even at that time, the taking the fight he took a damage on Brook his face was broken but it could have got worse if Dominic Ingle didn't throw the towel right. I think that was the right idea I want to say would you favor Fury now over Joshua if I next that's a really tough one I would slightly favor Fury but I don't know I really have to think about that one and I don't want to spend too much time thinking on it until we see yeah. what both guys are going to do. But, Hamid, I got a couple more calls I got to get to, yeah, brother. Thank you, man. Great on. call. All right. Have a good one. All right. Real quick, guys. I'm going to get to a couple more of your calls here. But, um, oh, by the way, let me get to some of these super chats. I'm way behind. Aaron Ahmad with the super chat. Thank you so much. He asked, when are you coming to the U.K., Mike? Dude, I really, really want to. I'm, I'm starting to wonder. Me and Tiffany, my fiance, we're planning on getting married later this year. So we're not going to be able to do our honeymoon this year because uh, we just don't have the money. But we're thinking maybe next year. And maybe what I'll do is uh, we'll come to the UK for our honeymoon. I think that'd be awesome. If we do, we'll all have a pint. Also, Super Chat, again, from JM Superstar. JM Superstar, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. He says, hey, Mike, in your opinion, does a fight that ends at a first-round KO mean the winner is a better fighter or just better on the night? Well, all situations are different, but... I think that suffering a first round or second or third round knockout loss does not necessarily mean that you're clearly the best fighter. You may have just connected with a good shot. Beating someone down over seven, eight rounds or winning a wide unanimous decision, in my opinion, clearly shows you are the much better fighter. So it is two different things. How often have we, have we seen uh, a guy – look, there was just that fight a couple weeks ago with um, – I, uh, Perella, I, I can't remember the name, the kid's first name. 
But his uh, his last name was Perella. He was fighting on that Caleb Plant Feigen Boots undercard. He won ten rounds, and then with a second left in the fight, he gets knocked out. Does anyone believe that the kid Ramos who beat him is a better fighter? I don't think so. I think if they have a rematch, Perella wins. But that's what makes boxing so great. One punch could change everything. So every situation's different. But no, not necessarily, man. A knockout doesn't necessarily mean you're the better fighter. Harrison Property, another super chat. He said, I tried calling from Australia on an international call. However, it didn't work. Can you provide an international number, Mike? Thanks. Well, thank you for the super chat, Harrison Property. So I'm working on that, guys. Um, The way this works, without getting into too much details, I've had to basically purchase two phone lines, right? I live in America, so getting a local phone line here is not difficult. I had to bend a few laws (laughs) to get... A, a local number in the UK. I had to pretend I live abroad. So I don't, I'm, I'm trying to get an international all encompassing number that anyone can call. I don't know if that situation exists with my current technological setup. What we might do in the future, okay, is add a Skype, uh, a Skype call feature of Skype call option to the show. That would require me getting some additional software and stuff and some additional setup. So that will take time to figure out, but I'm I'm working on it, I promise. Uh, Because I I love you guys from all over the world that, you know, get on the chat. And I'd love to hear you guys call in from all over the world. So it's something I'm working on, brother, I promise you. But it's very complicated. So as soon as I get that set up, Obviously, I'll let you guys know. Quick preview, and then we'll get to some of these calls. Uh, This Friday, February 28th, there is a card on Showbox from Los Angeles and a UFC Fight Pass card from Massachusetts. And Frisco, Texas, Saturday, February 29th, Matchroom on the Zone. Unfortunately, Murat Gassiev is off this show, which sucks. But uh, I really wanted to see him fight again. But Joseph Parker's on. Israel Madrimov. Blue chip prospect. He'll be fighting for a title within a year. And several other prospects. This is a loaded card. Julio Cesar Martinez going up against Jay Harris for Jay Harris. First, his first fight outside the UK. This is for Martinez uh, WBC flyweight title. A lot of you guys might remember that name. Julio Cesar Martinez, notorious for fouling Charlie Edwards after he knocked him down. Dropped him. I can't remember if it was a body shot. Or I think he hit him with a body shot while he was down. Uh, that fight should have been a disqualification, but Mauricio Suleiman's not going to do that. So Mauricio called it a no contest, and he ends up winning the vacant belt in his very next fight against Christopher Rosales. That was a good win for Martinez. You got to favor him heavily against Harris. Kal Yafai, 26-0, 15 knockouts going up against Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. Sixth defense of Yafai's WBA super flyweight title, Chocolatito 2-0 since back-to-back losses a couple years ago. He's 32, Yafai's 30. But Gonzalez is a really, really old 32. And Yafai is a pretty fresh 30. You have to favor. Look, if this fight were three years ago, obviously I'd favor Chocolatito big. But at this point, you got to favor Carl Yafai big. Not not big, but you got to favor him clearly. In this fight, main event, Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas, 147 pounds. Of course, the WBC had to slide their ass into this fight somehow. There's a vacant diamond belt on the line. Does anybody think Mikey Garcia and Jesse Vargas are top five welterweights? Nope. They're maybe top 10 at the lower rung of the top 10. 
But the WBC had to slide the diamond belt into this. And watch the WBC ass kissers on social media talking about that. I just love it. Mikey Garcia, five foot six, going up against five foot eleven Jesse Vargas, who also has a three inch reach advantage. So Vargas is the more natural welterweight. Most of his career has been at 140, 147. And Mikey Garcia, of course, has only had four fights north of lightweight. Only four fights at 140 or 147. And he's coming off a, what, 11-month layoff since that beatdown against Spence last year. Vargas only had one fight in 2019 as well, though. There was a KO6 over an ancient Humberto Soto. This is going to be a competitive fight. This is going to be a competitive good fight. So I'm looking forward to it. I'll be checking that out with you guys Saturday. we got another Super Chat pledge from Harrison Property. <laughs> okay. He's asking that I block... There's a spammer on here. Okay, well, uh, there's somebody on here. Check this name out, guys. Um, Emilia, I live sex tape rap. I don't even know what the hell this says. Okay, let me see if I can remove this person real quick. Hide the user from this channel. There she goes. Amelia's sex tape is gone. Thank you so much, Harrison. <laughs> I love it. I love the spam. Okay, a couple more calls, guys, and then um, we're going to cut it off because... I'm losing my freaking voice. 614, you're on the neutral corner. Go. Hey, Mike, it's John Newton from Ohio. John, what's up, man? Hey, not much, man. Hey, you and I, um, I met, touched on what I wanted to call about a little bit with uh, JD specifically. Um, for the longest time, I've been wondering what he really brought to Wilder's camp. I know they come up, uh, come up together through Alabama, so probably a lot of uh, just, you know, a friendship there, but Man, he was quick to kind of uh, throw Prelin under the bus there after the fight, you know. Yeah. And I kind of was wondering if that was to get ahead of what he felt was going to be what he knows was coming is that Wilder's corner has got to go. He's got to get a new trainer. And he didn't want any part of that, right? So he kind of jumped off the left. You know, hey, it wasn't me, man, that threw the talent. It was Breland. Yeah. It really felt kind of salty that way, man. There was some of that going on. I, I actually, I couldn't sleep that night. So after like my video and everything, I tried to lay down for a minute. I was like, ah, fuck this. I got up and turned on ESPN or I, maybe it was Fox Sports 1. I can't remember. But they had that post-fight press conference. And I saw I saw him saying that, JD's. And I was like, man, that's some cold shit. Like you're throwing Mark Brilliant yeah. under the bus for literally doing what you should have did, asshole. I mean, that was just a dick move, I thought. Um, yeah, it was hard not to notice that. But I will say this. I've heard that there's been some uh, – what's the what's the right word, man? Um, issues in that camp for a minute. That there's been some conflicting okay. personalities uh, wanting to go in different directions for a minute. And if you actually listen to more of that interview, J.D.'s talked about – the uh, the way that, you know, one guy's in charge of this, one guy's in charge of that. It just kind of sounds like it's all over the place. And that's been Deontay Wilder's career management. He's had like 5 billion promoters, managers, advisors. I think they need to streamline that shit. So I don't know how it's going to happen, but someone's head's going to roll. Because when you take an L like this, yeah. you got to have somebody to say, oh, well, we're going to make a change here. We're going to cut this person out and we're going to improve over there. So that's probably what's going to happen. It's probably going to be Mark Breland, which I think is disgusting if that's what they do, man. But yeah, ugh. he's a good guy, and he was looking out yeah. for his fighter, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, it makes you wonder if he might make the call for himself because he doesn't want to be a part of it anymore if it's that bad, you know? 
Yeah, look, ultimately, these decisions come down to Deontay Wilder. Uh, he's the fighter, right? So, so like, he's going to make the decision. He should be making the decision. I thought it was, it was really nasty the way they did Lou DiBella. I, I really didn't like the way they did him. And once he was out with Deontay, he was kind of out with PBC. And that's why Lou's kind of gone off a little bit recently in some of his interviews, talk, you know, saying some things that he wasn't saying a couple years ago. But it's going to be interesting, man. Look, if Wilder keeps his whole team together and goes into the rematch, I'd be very surprised. Mm-hmm. And what about on the um, other side? Now, after the last fight, I was really shocked that Tyson went away from Davidson because I thought the game plan was there. But you might be more in tune with, with this. Um, did you see watching this second fight what he was looking for from um, the crop style? Did yeah. you see that play out in the – yeah, he. Uh, um, but look, a long look, time, I've been wondering what Sugar Hill really brings. I'm with you, dude. I, I I saw this and was like, "What the hell is this shit? Like, what is he doing? Like, I thought it was a mistake. I said it multiple times, but Sugar Hill, look, dude. Let's be clear about something. This game plan that Fury brought into this rematch, it was Fury's idea. It was his game plan. This didn't come from Crunk. The idea to go forward and and you know back Wilder up. Fury was doing that. And if you look now at the way he fought Schwartz and Valin before he got cut, you can kind of see some of the stuff he was trying to work on in those fights. So this was his idea, but what he did to his credit was he found a guy, a system that would help him do that. And instead of going with like the Vogue trainers, like Freddie Roach or somebody like that, he sought out uh, Sugar Hill, which I thought was, a, it was now 2020 hindsight was, uh, a great move, you know, and they work well together and they're going to stick together for, for the foreseeable future. Nice. nice. Um, last thing. Um, did you notice on the press conference before the fight when it felt like Fury hit a nerve with Wilder? You know, he's Wilder's wild tight as it is. It always seems like, but he kind of said something about you're in this position because of me. Like he was really bringing the attention to the fight and it kind of got my attention that Wilder's always been seeking to be seen and treated as the heavyweight champ, and he's never gotten that. And I think Fury kind of felt that and saw it. It was kind of like poking him in a way. Um, I didn't see. Now I didn't Fury, see the that's press all people conference. are talking about this weekend. That was that was before the. Is that before they started pushing each other? Yeah, it was. It was probably before they started pushing each other because Fury had yeah. that. Uh, I can't remember. He didn't have it. He might have had that hoodie and shades on that day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Whenever, whenever okay. that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I didn't watch that, but I saw the shoving thing. Look, Fury's very good at the mm-hmm. mind games, and he—I don't know if he got some scouts to go over on that side and look at some things, but he's also—he—he's a guy that can read a room. He's very good at reading a room, and I think he picked up picked up on some things from Deontay and learned some things from the first promotion and then his second promotion. And he applied that in the mind games here. And part of why I think he started to break down a little bit against Klitschko is he was trying to do some more of those mind games and it just wasn't working the same way. In fact, I think Klitschko kind of had a mental edge going into their rematch from some things I've heard off the record. I think, um, it just seems to me that he's kind of got Deontay Wilder's number, man. And I think it's going to be more of the same in the third fight. But look, I was, I was dead wrong on this one. I won't say dead wrong. What it is in this rematch is I underestimated Tyson Fury. That's what it was. So I'm just not going to do that again. You got to favor him big in the third fight. 
Yeah, definitely. But do you ever feel like uh, Wilder's never felt like what a heavyweight champ should be viewed as here in America? Do you think there was ever something to do that? that he like, I yeah. got all these knockouts. What else do people want? Well, I, I think there's something to that. I think that a lot of it, though, is kind of built up in the media, right? There's, there's a, this kind of facade and mystique around Deontay that was built up from the media. The, I think the bottom line is what a lot of these guys now, they look at someone like Floyd Mayweather and you're like, man, why was Floyd so famous? They forget before Floyd became Money May, he was Pretty Boy Mayweather. And he actually fought some killers at 130, 135. And he was exciting. And he actually paid his dues coming up. And then he became this carefully manicured type of guy. But for Wilder, man, his resume is dog shit. And look, Tyson Fury, other than two fights, his resume is dog shit. Anthony Joshua's resume is way better than both of them. I think Dillian White's resume is better than Deontay Wilder's in terms of who he's beat. So Wilder, just he seems to me to be kind of an ungrateful type of person that's kind of had everything his way. He's never really had to struggle. He's never really had to earn it. And now, now he's got to earn it. Now we're going to see, again, can he humble himself? Can he, can he say, man, I guess I, I guess I, you know, the world doesn't owe me anything. I guess I got to go out and prove this shit just like everybody else. Can he do it? Yeah. I want to see, you know, and I think that's why people are going to watch the third fight. But, yeah, I, look, dude, if you look at the money he's made in these last few years – and who he's beaten, it doesn't add up. There are guys out there who have beaten way better fighters that are making a fraction of what Deontay Wilder has made in the last few years. So he's done extremely well. And I just think there's a part of his personality that's really unappreciative and kind of ignorant. If you if you just look at yeah. boxing history and the way this shit works, maybe now that will change. But, dude, I got yeah. a couple more calls, man. I appreciate it, John. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thanks Have a, a good night, brother. All right, let's take a couple more calls here. Oh, I wish I brought some water down here with me into <laughs> the studio. Oh, man. 512, you're on the neutral corner. Go. Well, what's up, Mike? How are you doing? Doing good. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Just got out of work. I just just got on the uh, show just on time right after. So it's all it's all good right now. What you got, man? You got a question, a comment, a thought? <laughs> Oh, man, it's just this fight this weekend. It's real surprising because I didn't think, like most people, I didn't think Fury would just take Wilder out like that. I thought Wilder would just produce some sort of highlight reel knockout on him by like round nine. But obviously, Wilder became the highlight reel. So I'm a bit shocked, to be honest. I th Look, you're not alone. I actually, I did a poll on Twitter and I asked, what will be the outcome of the fight? Almost 1,000 people voted on my little Twitter poll, and about 24% picked Fury by knockout. About 50% picked Wilder by knockout. So that tells you right there. I mean, half the people thought, I think it was more than half, thought Wilder was going to win. The people that thought Fury was going to win, it was going to be by points. And that's the way I felt too. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if it went 12 and Fury won a decision. But to see what he did, it's not just that he you know, knocked Wilder out. Dude, he knocked him down in the third round, and then I think it was the fifth or sixth where he knocked him down with a body shot. No one's when's the last time you've seen a heavyweight fight really change on a body shot?
from people that tall. So uh, it, it's just the way he did it that I think was just kind of shocking. Like, and everyone is still talking about it. Everyone. It's it's just we haven't had this kind of feeling after a fight, particularly a pay per view fight in years. <laughs> Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm, this is the first time I've seen a heavyweight drop someone with a body shot. That I was very shocked by that as well. I mean, I didn't think Tyson Fury would actually go forward like he said. I, I know he's crazy and all that, though. But I didn't think he'd really do it because, like you said, he's a general sh- sh- kind of guy. He's not that kind of guy. He's not like Triple G who uses pressure to back fighters up, though. But Man, he leaned them real hard in that fight. Yeah, it was. It was. Look, we still have to see how this is going to play out. We have to see how the third fight plays out. If he beats him, if he ends up fighting Anthony Joshua, if all that goes according to plan and those things happen, bro, we might be talking about this fight in a historic <laughs> way 10, 20 years from now. It could be one of those fights. It's too early to tell, but this could be a turning point for him in his career. You know, he could go on to do something amazing. He's still got a lot to prove, but this could have been. It's like one of those things where you, you look back and you look at when uh, Holyfield beat Tyson, you, you know, and it, or when um, when Ali beat Sonny Liston. That was like a changing of the guard and like the start of what became a legendary career, right? And there's all ex- there's so many examples like that in the sport, and maybe this is Fury's turn to do that. Maybe not. Maybe Wilder comes back and wins the third fight and he becomes the guy. We just don't know. But, uh, yeah, dude, I'm still – I don't want to say in shock, but I'm just still kind of like, wow. <laughs> I don't know how to put it. There's just this feeling still in the air. And I looked at my Twitter analytics uh, just today, just the impressions and everything that I got on Twitter. You can track all that. You can run reports. I got more impressions related to this fight than I got for Mayweather-Pacquiao than I got for the Canelo-Golovkin fights. This fight really broke through and, and, and trended in the media. So anyway, man, uh, I got one more call here I'm going to jump on. Thank you so much for calling in and uh, listening to the show, brother. All right, I appreciate it, Mike. You have a good one. You too, man. All right, we got one more here. 4479, you're on the neutral corner. Last call tonight or the day. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. It's uh, Rich from the UK once again. How you doing? All right? Good. What's up, Rich? Well, I just about managed to get on the show. If you hear shrieking in the background, it's because I've got like a my 11-month-old son sat here gradually running out of patience <laughs> before I take him to bed. So. <laughs> oh, he's laughing at me, so that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously, like most people, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Wilder Fury fight, and uh, like most, <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I I was I thought Fury putting on all that weight and stuff was going to be going to prove to be a massive, massive mistake. Um, but yeah, oh, called that one wrong. <laughs> You're not alone, man. You're not alone. We, I mean, yeah. a lot of us did. Because look, yeah. go back yeah. earlier this year when Andy Ruiz had the rematch with Anthony, or, uh, Anthony Joshua, and it was the yeah. same thing. He gained all that weight. Look how that turned out. Complete opposite in this situation. Yeah. Well, this is it. I mean, the thing is, interestingly, I've, I've been saying for, 
for years and years and years. That's exactly the right game plan for somebody to get rid of Wilder. Like, you know, close him down, you know, don't give him room to work. And somebody, I expected somebody at some point, if he got in there with like a, a real inside banger, they were going to give him nightmares because he's, he's just got that, that long, wide legs, you know, stick out the straight jab to mask the right and then follow up with that big straight right. It takes him quite a long time to throw it. And it's a really long shot. So if he can get inside, he hasn't really got an inside game at all. But I did not dream that it would be Fury who kind of implement that game plan and beat him up the way he did. I thought I thought he'd stick to the same plan he had last time and try and eke it out over the 12. So I, I called it, you know, basically I called the first fight um, Wilder by late knockout after being, you know, boxed stupid for you know, 10, 11 rounds or whatever. And, and I thought, well, you know, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good call and I was almost right first time. So that's the call I'm going to make again. But yeah, nah, I mean, uh, he got properly found out, Wilder, didn't he? Yeah, he again, the blueprints out there, and unlike other fighters from the past that had an you know amateur experience to go back on, boxing craft, and just a willingness and discipline to admit, okay, I need to work on some things. I need to fix some things really, really quickly. Does he have that in him? We'll find out. Yeah, 100%. You know? I don't think he does. I don't, I, I, mean, I, I don't think he does. I mean, one of, one of the things you could spot about Wilder from a long time ago, pretty much everyone he's been in with at some point, has get, if, if you catch and get clips, I mean, even, even further, like... Oh, you there? Jab. Oh, you, yeah. you broke I mean, up for you a go second back and there. Watch that fight. Oh, sorry. Yeah, talking about Firtha. Yeah, yeah. Even if you look at the Firtha fight, you go back and watch that fight again. I don't remember what round. It's relatively early, but Firtha catches him with a stiff jab, and it backed him up miles. You know, he does not like getting hit, and uh, you, you know, there, there's those signs there. He, that 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 sort of idea he 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 tries to convey of him being this killing machine just is not accurate and uh so you know i he's and also with him being a late starter and not having that amateur background and the real fundamental grounding he's a bit of a franken boxer he's got yeah. as you say he's got all these coaches and all these advisors and stuff he doesn't really know how to do you know how he does what he does he's got a million people telling him what to do but he right. doesn't there's, really there's know no, what there's to do. no one central voice and because of that what did you see saturday night when he got clipped and he was hurt he kind of didn't know what to do he just tried to do what he always yeah. does he tried to line up a right hand and throw it and he was telegraphing it from last tuesday fury saw it and just yeah, just beat, beat him down but do you remember that that again it was a stick it was Everyone talks about the knockdown in the third, but the right one was in the, on the wall from like, there's about 10, 20 seconds left in the first, and, and Fury caught, just stepped in perfectly in time, this beautiful stiff jab and snapped his head right back. Yeah. And you saw Wilder's legs stiffen, and it was like, right, this is, you know, he does not want any of this. You yeah. know, it, at, from that point on, he knew he was in trouble, and you could see it in his face. You know, if you, you and, and Wilder's that 
he's kind of epitomizes that guy who he knows he's not a bad man, really. He knows exactly. he's not a killer. So he took so much of the bravado and the and it the, was a facade. It's, you know, the he's, hype. It's, it's, it's a it's facade, a absolutely. He's trying to convince himself as much as he's trying to convince everybody else. You look at someone like Bud Crawford. You know, he, in his last fight, um, forgive me, I forget the guy's name. It's unpronounceable anyway. But a like, really good, stout, inside puncher. Yeah, yeah. Caught him. Uh, was it in the first or the second round where he got that knockdown that, wasn't, that was called a slip? I like, he was a knockdown. Yeah, he, he he caught him and he got hurt. And look how Bud reacted to that. He exactly. was like, nah. <laughs> That's that. Bud I'm Crawford. Gonna, I'm going to take t- you on and I'm going to beat you out of you. Terrence Crawford is that guy. And Deontay Wilder desperately wants to be that guy. He's not. Just, you know, there are comparisons between Deontay Wilder and Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson is that guy. (laughs) Mike Tyson grew up in the street. He grew up in the criminal element. He had a tough childhood, dysfunctional family, suffered greatly as a child. Deontay Wilder grew up in the middle class in Alabama. He's had a pretty easy life. You know, he's had some some yeah. issues. I mean, his daughter has, has a handicap and he's gone through things like anybody in life. But he certainly was not an underprivileged yeah. person. He's not that guy. It's a made yeah. up phony act. And it kind of got a little yeah. exposed yeah. this weekend for yeah, people who bought into it. I, I, he wasn't exposed to me, yeah. and to you guys, because we saw the truth. But to people who bought into that act, they were mm. like, holy shit, what's going on? This chubby bald dude from England is beating this yeah. hardcore gangster up. What's going on? That's not who Deontay Wilder is. He's a softie. Yeah. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. He's not that guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I mean, I Yeah, I he's like a nice him, guy. I think. He I says like some stupid persona. things. Like he him. says yeah. some really stupid things, but he's a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's well that's just it, isn't it? And I don't think he can come back from that. Because can you imagine if they put if they put White in with him now? I think White I mean, beats White him with is a left a hook. Bad man. I think White yeah, absolutely, absolutely decapitates him. Once White times that yeah, right gonna, hand gonna, and gets under it, he's going to come over the top with a hook, and that's lights out. And knock him the fuck out. Fuck yeah, out. absolutely, hundred percent. And he will do it, and he'll do it early as well. Yes, yeah, it'll be a third will, or fourth round he, knockout. He knows all he's got to do. Yeah, absolutely. He's just got a peekaboo, you know, peekaboo up, bum rush in pretty much, dip in a little bit, and yeah, slip, draw that right, slip it, and as you say, bang straight over the top, and that's it. I think Ruiz does him the same way. I think Povetkin would kill him early rounds. I think you Joseph know, Parker has a chance. A couple of years ago, he would have done it. I think Joseph Parker yeah, has a chance. Yeah, Joseph Parker's got a ferocious chin as well. He gets on anyone he can get on his chest. Is going to give him absolute nightmares. Yep. You know, so I think I think he's had it. I don't. I, yeah. But as you say, where, where people have where he succeeded before is because people have been they've been, he's had this aura about him, and people stand off at mid to long range where he's most dangerous. They're not going to do that anymore. They've exactly. seen him get beaten and properly beaten up, and that's it. That's it for him. Perfectly um, stated. Anyway, great um, point. I completely agree. Um, yeah, we're going to end it there, brother. That was a great call, man. Thanks for cool. calling in. All right, man. Have a good one. Oh, no, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Bye. All right, guys. What a great freaking show today, man. Um, wow. Some great calls. I knew we'd have great calls tonight. So 
Um, man, oh man, let me uh, get, let me get my outro music playing here. Now that's uh, there we go. All right, guys, great freaking show, um, man. It just gets better every week. We got a, a good fight card this weekend that we will we will review next week, and we'll find out what the numbers are for the big show last weekend. Uh, real quick. Super chat pledges from Captain Hook Chronicles. With all the drama from his corner and almost certain fire of Breland, which good trainer will ever accept to train Deontay? Not just for money. That's a good question. I got to think about that one. Thank you for the super chat. Justin S. with the super chat. Did Wilder get his eardrum rupture or just a cut? Justin, it was just a cut. It was not an eardrum rupture. Captain Hook Chronicles. Ah, man. You know, who actually would help Wilder out? coincidentally enough, is Sugar Hill in the Crunk system. He's perfectly built for their system. But off the top of my head, dude, I just don't know. Mark Breland could help him out, but that's going to be a tough one for him. All right, guys. I'll see you at the fights. Great show tonight. We'll do it again soon.